Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out the Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. Can I get another amen for that worship? Amen, amen, and amen. So greetings, TLR family. Is it okay that I call you family even though we're just now meeting? Is it okay? Yes. So thank you so much for welcoming me into your home away from home. I cannot tell you how excited I have been probably for about two weeks thinking about being here today. And I have been so excited that I've probably changed my talk to or three times, and I'm not even sure that God said to do that. (laughs) But I try to consult with him because I wanted to deliver a message that's going to bring forth healing. And so there's a lot of content, so much content that Matt asked me for my notes this morning. I sent it to him and he said, you think 30 minutes is gonna be enough? And that's his kind way of saying, I don't know if 30 minutes is gonna be enough because he's very kind. And I said, we're gonna, we're gonna make it work. So thank you so much for having me here. I wanna start off with a question for you. How are you doing? Okay, okay. How are you doing? TLR family, how are you really doing? Yeah. Yes. So let me tell you this. As a therapist, that is a question that I ask each and every one of my students, my clients in the therapy room, on almost a daily basis. And I really encourage them to ask themselves that question. We call it in an emotional check-in. How often do you ask yourself, how am I really doing? Because when we get asked that question, family, how are you doing? What's the question, what's the response that we normally give? Good, fine, right? But not much goes beneath the surface. So in our time together today, we're really gonna dig deep into how you're really doing. We're gonna talk about wellness because God wants you to be well, and we're gonna talk about seven strategies that's going to enhance not just your mental, not just your physical, but your emotional, and my belief is also your spiritual well-being. So is it okay if we kind of dive in? Okay, so I asked you a question before about how well you're doing. Now I'm gonna be specific. On a scale of one to five, family, how would you rate your overall wellness? One to five, and I'm gonna ask you to participate by just shouting out. I'm gonna count to three, and I just want you to shout it out because it's not really about you know pinpointing one person or another. It's about you owning your truth, and moving forward really involves knowing where you are starting from in the first place. So, on a count of three, I want you to tell me, are you at a five, meaning you're amazing, or are you at a one, meaning you're the opposite 
of amazing when it comes to your overall wellness. On a count of three, you guys ready? All right. One, two, three, shout it out. <laughs> I, I, I heard nothing except for maybe 7.5, um, which is excellent. But here's the thing, you guys. Before you can really assess how well you're doing, we probably need to define what wellness even means. Would you guys agree with that? All right, so let's, let's put the definition up there. So wellness, my friends, is the act of practicing healthy habits, okay, in order to attain better physical, better emotional, and better mental health outcomes so that you are not just surviving, but thriving. And if some of you are looking at this definition up on the screen and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm there, I want you to know that you're not alone. Being a college student is not easy. So it's not easy, is it? It's actually pretty challenging, especially in the past year. So let's start with the good. It's actually an exciting time if you think about the fact that you're searching for really who you are, who God has called you to be, and college is a wonderful time to do that because you're outside of the family walls and your parents' watchful eyes, right? So you get to kind of explore. But college can also be pretty stressful. You're juggling so much between balancing multiple classes, balancing relationships, extracurricular activities, social pressures to conform, and time constraints. And then some of you are working. Are any of you working part-time? Some of you are working full-time, yeah. So I work with college students as a therapist, and I've worked at a couple of universities, and the students that I've counseled over the years share some running themes with me. You tell me if you can relate to any of these things. They tell me that they are juggling so many roles. They're juggling being a student. They're juggling being a son or a daughter. They are juggling, if they're in a sorority or fraternity, being a good sorority or fraternity member, right? The pressures of college life is enormous. Let's not even talk about the financial struggles and how you're juggling academics with work and social life, et cetera. So we know that stress is a part of life and it's a part of a college student's life. I'll tell you something. My dad tells a lot of people this. Um, I used to cry, this is a true story, I used to cry almost at the end of every single semester until my junior year because I couldn't figure out my schedule. I would call my dad and he was sort of my safe place to land, right? And he would just sort of listen to me boo-hoo as if I didn't do it like the semester before. <laughs> he was really patient with me. And I was trying to meet this arbitrary deadline for graduation. I just felt like that's what I needed to do and I had to make every piece of the puzzle fit. And that was overwhelming. So being a college student can be overwhelming, but then you add in a global health pandemic. So I wanna read to you just 
three quotes from students that I counsel today, meaning I'm still working with these students, and they gave me permission to share. I asked them, they knew I was coming to talk to you guys, and I always like to get fresh material, and I asked them, what was it like, or what has it been like for you this past year as a college student? And so, I want you to listen to what they said, and you think to yourself if any part of this you can actually relate to. So my first student, and by the way, they're gonna remain anonymous, including they all go to three different schools. Um, they didn't even care to be anonymous. They are like, you can tell them my name. And I said, no, we're gonna keep it private. But this is what the first student said. The quarantine specifically was pretty rough. So she's talking about when everything closed down. I still think about last March, how one day I was in school, and then the next day I was told to clean out my dorm. A couple of days later, it just hit me that things didn't feel normal anymore, and it still doesn't. So this is a year later. And then another student says, the most stressful thing for me is that a lot of professors, not all, I have some really understanding ones, seem to have very high expectations of me without acknowledging how much what was happening in the world was affecting all of us. And this is not on the slide, but I just feel compelled to share. She said that there was a quiz that the professor had set up to prepare the class for, but the professor was feeling stressed out. It was like a few weeks before the election. So the, pro the professor canceled the quiz that was supposed to prepare the students, but still gave the quiz the next week. So again, not fully understanding that everything that's happening in the world was affecting students, just like it was affecting her. My next student says, COVID restrictions have been really hard. I hate Zoom. Anybody can relate? <laughs> yes. It feels like the standards are the same, for example, Assignments are the same, if not more, despite the fact that most of us are not accustomed to online learning and actually struggle with it quite a bit. And this student goes on to say, the way that I interact with people has changed a lot. Family, I want you to see if you can relate to some of this. Some students don't even turn on their camera. So this particular student does a hybrid model now, but initially at the very beginning of the semester, last semester, it was fully online. Some students don't even turn on their camera. I'm super reluctant to talk in class. You don't know who you're really interacting with behind the scenes. It's hard to feel relaxed. And the student also said, it's hard to really make those connections. It feels like it's a really new normal, a different way of interacting. So family, if you're feeling this way, maybe not exactly having the same challenges, please know that you're not alone. So, and I mean outside of Georgia, because these students came from Georgia. So there's a Boston University study that I wanna share with you that really um, looked at like a lot of students, like 33,000 students across the country and said that students were already stressed 
pre-pandemic. And so if you're a freshman, you probably remember feeling a level of stress even as a high schooler. So already burned out, and then you're facing everything that our nation faced this past year. So it's a lot. It's a lot. The social and political distress that our nation faced in 2020 is a lot. And it's really easy to say, hey, it's 2021. Spring's here. It's Holy Week. Yes, there's a lot to celebrate. But for some of us, we're still carrying the feelings of overwhelm, even if we don't identify it as such. So when we think about stress, what are the things that you think trigger stress? Just yell it out. What, what triggers your stress? Relationships, Relationships money, trauma. Oh, you're speaking my language. So what, what else again? Yes, yes, all of those things. So stress is often triggered by a variety of things, but usually at your developmental stage, it's social academic, definitely relationship pressures. And so stress also, family, is triggered by changes. Did you know that? Like really big changes can feel unsettling. So moving is a change. Relationship conflicts is a stressor. Family issues, financial issues, final exams, and any abrupt change in your circumstance can actually trigger stress. So here's my question to you at this point. You told me what stresses you out. What do you do when you get stressed? <laughs> Somebody said, I don't want to know. Maybe I don't <laughs> in the church. What do you do when you get stressed out? Here's the irony. When we are most stressed out is often when we don't engage in the things that we know will help us to manage our stress. Would you guys agree with that? All right, so I'm gonna show you three images. You think to yourself which category you fall in, okay? So when you're stressed out, are you going straight to coffee? or some other substance, <laughs> Diet Coke is what I meant, right? Are you going to sugar? Are you craving more sugar? For, for me, can I tell you what I do when I'm stressed out? I eat a lot of chips. And do you know my favorite chip? You don't know. To Tostitos, like with a hint of lime. Anybody like that? Okay, so now I'm really your family. Now I'm your family, okay? So when I'm eating those chips in the den and my husband walks in, he's like, is everything okay? <laughs> because he knows that I'm stressed. So that's the thing, right? Sometimes we go to food and beverages and other things because we say to ourselves, you tell me if this is you, I just need to relax. I just need to relax. I just need to take a load off. I need something to perk me up or I had a really rough day and I just need to unwind. And then you overdo it and you're not paying attention to how those chips, the caffeine, the sugar is impacting your body, right? And affects your mood. Or maybe this is you. How many of us, when you're stressed out, how many of you, when you're stressed out, 
think, man, I need a break. And so you dive into your screens. So it's your phone, it's Netflix, etc. And then you're not, is that you? And then you're not paying attention to that thing that you're supposed to be doing. And it's actually called an avoidance strategy that we're all guilty of, by the way. Or maybe this is you. You toil and you grind and you hustle and you say to yourself, I've gotta keep grinding. I've gotta get this done. And it doesn't matter how burned out you are, you just continue and continue almost to the point or right up to the point of exhaustion. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. And so here's the thing. We all do something to cope with stress. And it helps for maybe a minute. And then we feel the effects of it. And so a little bit of stress can be actually really motivating and it can help you get up and go. But we don't wanna remain in that place of prolonged or chronic stress and utilizing those things that don't really help because there are effects. So let's talk about the consequences of being in a stressful state for too long. So stress affects your energy. It affects your concentration and it affects your capacity to focus. It also affects your dependability. So basically you're not that reliable friend. You're not that dependable son or daughter that you really wanna be. So this is what I really wanna say to you. I have several things to say, but let's start here. Family, God wants us to be well. God wants us to be whole. Our Heavenly Father never intended for us to stay in a continuous state of stress, discouragement, or discontent. In fact, the Word of God says quite the opposite. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Do you guys know what the soul entails? The soul is your mind, your emotions, and your will. So that's your behavior. So when I look at this scripture, and I've studied it for quite a while, especially as a mental health therapist and a wellness advocate, I think that God, I feel that God wants us to be well, not just spiritually, but mentally, emotionally, and physically. Because God has placed a gift inside of you, of you, of you, 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 and he wants you to yield that gift onto him. So he wants you to use it, right? It's the principle of stewardship. The more you use the gifts that God has placed inside of you, the easier it becomes, right? But how can we do that if we're exhausted? if we're drained, if we're discouraged, if we're overwhelmed, if we're all of the things. So that's why I'm super excited about what I'm going to dive into. All right, family, I'm gonna talk about seven keys to wellness. 
So these are foundations that I believe are set to really enhance and optimize your mental and emotional and physical wellness. So here's the thing, at the end of my talk, I'm gonna issue a challenge, so I need you to stay with me, and if something resonates with you, you have my permission to take a picture, take notes. If this is not for you because you said you were at a five or a 7.5, guess what? Your spiritual gift may be encouragement. So there may be someone in your life that needs to hear this information. So let's jump in. The first key is recognizing wellness. We talked about what wellness is. So the first key is actually recognizing when you're not well, right? Recognize the signs that you might be struggling. So that's one of the first questions that people ask me when I do these talks or even in my therapy room, like how do I know that what I'm going through isn't normal? So you wanna be aware, family. You wanna pay attention to your needs. You wanna pay attention to your feelings. You wanna pay attention to signs that let you know that you may be struggling mentally, emotionally, or physically. Because let's face it, Sometimes we're so focused on achieving that goal or so focused on helping someone else that we ignore real signs of distress. So, some signs to pay attention to, family. Stress is normal. Prolonged anxiety is not. Fear, difficulty, concentrating, um, and irritability can actually be a sign that there is a change that you're experiencing that doesn't feel settling to you, such as what we experienced with the pandemic. So that's normal when you're going through extreme changes. And stress can be physical. How many of you, you don't have to answer out loud if you don't want to, how many of you have been so stressed out that all of a sudden your stomach starts hurting? Yeah, or your muscles ache or you feel tension in your body. You guys, when I get stressed, I feel it in the back of my neck and in my shoulder area. Do you guys feel that? Especially if you're, work, if you're up late and you're studying or you're on the computer. So stress can actually show up in your body. So that's what I want you to recognize. Time to, from time to time, that's really nothing to be overly concerned about. We all have times in our life when we're overwhelmed by life. However, now this is where I want you to lean in, if those days of feeling stressed turn into weeks, if you're finding it difficult to get out of bed, if you're struggling to make your classes or struggling to do social activities that you typically enjoy, that's what I call a red or orange or yellow flag. It's caution. You wanna pay attention to what's happening. So get to know the early signs that your body, that your mind, that your emotions are giving you, because that comes from the Holy Spirit, that's what I believe, that it's time to slow down. So you wanna recognize the warning signs because you wanna be able to make changes to your overall sense of well-being. Key number two, how many of you knew that physical health is actually connected to your mental health? Did anybody know that? Yes. So what do you think I'm gonna say under this key? I want you to eat what? A healthy diet 
and then do what? Exercise and do what? Yeah, so you've, you've heard that before. That's not new. But I wanna, I wanna punctuate the point, okay? So this is simple in terms of a key, but it's not always easy. And I know that you've heard these things before, but did you know that there's a really critical connection between your brain, so your mood, and your gut? How many, knew, how many people knew that? The brain-gut connection. Did you know that your gut was actually your second brain? Yeah. So 90% of serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter or a neurochemical that regulates depression and anxiety, is in your gut. So that means that we have to really be mindful of what we are putting into our bodies. So when life feels stressful, once again, we're not always turning to the healthy option. We typically have unhealthy eating habits. I have totally been there. But if you're wanting to maintain a relatively healthy diet, please know that it's not about taking things out because that can feel a little hard at first, but it's about what you're adding in. So we know through research that fruits and vegetables and um, whole grains are actually linked to a decrease in depression and anxiety, just something to pay attention to. Now let's talk a little bit about sleep. I know you've heard that before, and you guys are busy. You guys are busy college students that have so much going on. We've already talked about that. So getting more sleep is easier said than done. I know that. So something that I wanna share with you, two things that often get in the way of you getting an adequate amount of sleep. And it's super important because again, there are mood enhancing chemicals, dopamine, serotonin, that's only produced when you get adequate amounts of sleep. So two things, your phone and caffeine. So we can probably talk for a whole nother hour about phone and social media and all of those things, which I don't think is the only problem, right? It's about limiting yourself, setting boundaries and turning off your phone just a couple of hours before you go to bed or turning off the notification. I have a friend who was having a horrible time sleeping. She put the phone in another bedroom and slept like a baby for the first time in four weeks. Just something to try. In addition, there's studies that tell us that drinking too much caffeine, so it doesn't have to be coffee, it could be soda or anything that has a lot of caffeine in it, can actually mirror the symptoms of anxiety. So what are those caffeine-inducing symptoms that caffeine um, sort of mirror, that mirrors anxiety? Well, restlessness, it increases our heart rate, so when our heart rate increases, we actually go into panic mode, like, okay, what's happening to us? I don't feel safe, what's happening to me? And it impacts your sleep. So let's move on to key number three, because you already said it, it's all related. So here's the thing, family, these seem really simple, but we often don't do it, because almost, it's almost too simple, right? Or we don't think it's gonna work. So 
exercise, I cannot emphasize to you enough the importance of moving your body. I always tell my clients, you move your body, you calm your mind. So one of the first things I tell my clients in the therapy room when they're feeling anxious is let's get up and shake it off. Let's get up and wiggle. Let's walk, and sometimes I'll even take a walk prior to COVID with them around the building. So moving your body helps to decrease the symptoms of anxiety and actually sadness if it's mild to moderate. And then here's the other thing. When you exercise regularly, and 30 minutes is what it takes, three to four times a week, doing some cardio, right? Biking, jogging, dancing, hiking, can actually generate endorphins, another mood-elevating, naturally mood-elevating chemical in your body. It can be, it can be. And physical activity also, you guys, helps to clear your thoughts. So those troublesome thoughts that actually bring about levels of stress, exercise can help you to clear those thoughts and boost creativity. So studies indicate that spending time outdoors, so not just um, exercising in the gym, which is fine, or in your basement, that is fine, but spending time outdoors actually helps you to feel more creative and it helps your memory. So the combination of walking and being outside is linked to better creativity and better performance. So let's go to the next key. How many of you struggle with how you talk to yourself in your mind? Yeah, that's a big struggle for a lot of my students. So here's the thing, family. There are a thousand and one critics out there. Don't let you be the next one. Don't add your voice to the mix. But that's what we do sometimes. We engage in negative self-talk. What is negative self-talk exactly? What it is, is excessively harsh self-criticism that leads us to focus on a mistake or a shortcoming instead of the ways that we can actually improve. So when we place unrealistic expectations on ourselves, we open ourselves up to that inner critic. And that inner critic can be really, really harsh. I've actually done an experiment in my therapy office where I've had my clients write down for just 60 seconds all of the things that they say to themselves in their own head. And then they've read it to me. And I'm not even kidding, at some point, um, one time I, I was almost moved to tears. And this is somebody who loved Jesus. But based on everything that she wrote on that piece of paper, just in 60 seconds, it was clear that she didn't love herself. So family, negative self-talk is problematic because it creates feelings of guilt, of shame, of regret, and even fear. And here's the thing, it increases our stress. So think about it. How can it not? 
Some of the things that maybe you've said to yourself or you've heard people say about themselves include the following. I'm not smart enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not good enough. So how could that not increase sadness and anxiety? So the way that you talk to yourself, family, robs you of your peace. So listen, I'm a therapist. I'm all about self-improvement. But there's a difference between self-assessment, like evaluating how you've done or how you've performed in a certain area, and harsh self-criticism. That's probably the symptom that I see the most associated with depression and or anxiety is not just negative thoughts, but the thoughts, family, that we think about ourselves. So I wanna share two quick tips on how to address negative self. That's how important I think this is, okay? So we're gonna go a little bit deeper, almost like a workshop form. Um, number one, change your language. So think about a common issue that you would sort of beat yourself up for. So basically, negative self-talk is trash-talking yourself. Change your language, family, to what can be improved. So for example, let's say you got an essay back and you bombed it. You failed. Instead of saying to yourself, I just failed this test. I am such an idiot. I am a failure. How about saying the truth, so it's not about, you know, making something up or lying to yourself, but not being so harsh. So why not say something like, I'm really disappointed in how I performed on that exam or that essay. So I probably need to figure out a better way of managing my time because what I'm doing isn't working. So I can go on and on about the language that we use that actually increases our stress and decreases our wellness. So tip number two, shift your focus. Let me share with you something that I say even to my five-year-old all the time. Whatever you think about grows. Whatever you focus on grows. So family, whatever our minds focus on is what, or focuses on is what will eventually shape who you become because our thoughts can impact our emotions, which can then impact our behaviors. So what are you thinking about when life gets stressful? Just think about it for a moment. What do you think about when life gets really tough? Do you think about your circumstances? Do you think about that mistake that you made? Do you think about um, how you could have got, you know, done things better? Or do you think about the one who grants you his peace? So when you make a mistake, Instead of thinking about how much of a loser or whatever you think you are, how about think about what God says you are? Yeah? God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you guys know that? Yeah. 
God says that you are the apple of his eye. You guys know that. So that's what I want you to practice. So one of my favorite scriptures that really addresses this, I think, in a really wonderful and simple way is this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And family, this comes from Isaiah 26, three. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. So we have a choice to make. Yeah, God gives us choices. We have a choice to make. And when we focus on the Lord our God and not our circumstances, he gives us peace. The word of God says he gives us his peace. So remember, we cannot control the worries that pop into our minds. We can't. That's automatic. And the truth is the brain is wired towards negativity. It's called negativity bias. So that's a struggle. That's a tension, family, that we're going to find ourselves in a lot. So we can't control what pops up in our mind, but we can control the thoughts that we choose to engage so we are down to key number five. I want you to ask yourself this question. What brings you energy and what drains you? So I wanna talk about energy givers versus energy drainers. So a key to wellness is understanding the difference. So you wanna focus on what keeps your energy high, what keeps you excited, especially during periods of stress. If you can carve out just a little bit of time to do those things, I'm telling you it's gonna help so much. But what we normally do is those things that don't help us. So what are those things that you do when hmm, life gets really, really stressful, but it drains your energy. And maybe it's something that you're obligated to do, right? Maybe it's something that in the moment it feels okay, but afterwards you're just depleted, right? So those are energy drainers. For me, it's traffic. It's sitting in a space that's cluttered. Sometimes I'll be honest, it's returning old emails, like my, when my inbox gets a little full. Do you, if you guys relate to that? For some of you, it might be responding to even text messages. You're just exhausted, or it drains you, or checking social media. So I know that there's some things that we can't just get away from because we have to do it, we're obligated to do it. I've gotta be in traffic sometimes. But the question you should ask yourself is this, and I'm talking about on an almost daily basis, especially right now if you're feeling super stressed about school, exams, or life. When I'm exhausted, what's gonna bring me energy? And the key is balance, family. So it's not just about what we eat. Think about the earlier slides, right? It's not just about what we eat or what we drink, but it's about what we do. It's about if we're working too little or too much. It's about if we're playing too little or maybe playing too much. Those things can impact our overall wellness. So we can boost our energy. We can boost our energy by engaging in those things that bring us um, a sense of peace or excitement, right? But you wanna be intentional about carving out the time. You want it to be enjoyable too. So, I want you to know that if your space is a little messy, 
You can clean it up and just notice how it feels. I want you to know that you can take a break from studying and pop in a comedy special or pull up a YouTube video just on cats and see how that makes you feel. So diverting your energy into something that helps you to feel enjoyable or helps you laugh or de-stress can actually make a big difference. And then finally, with relate, um, as related to energy givers versus drainers, let's talk about relationships. So I heard this, I can't remember how long ago, and I have been saying it over and over again, especially in the past year, family. We are communal people created by a communal God. I'm gonna say that again. We are communal people created by a communal God. Loneliness and isolation were huge problems this past year. And it was a problem because we were designed to be in relationship and in proximity to one another. That's why we're all here today. So we need our tribe. And college is a place where you can find your tribe. I've gotta tell you, my friends that I met in college are some of my best friends today. They attended my wedding, they were around after I had my first child, and they attend birthdays and anniversaries, right? So this time is really special for you. And it's also important to know and speak the truth and acknowledge that sometimes when we're really stressed out or overwhelmed, what do we do? We cut people off, that thank you. We cut people off, we don't return text messages, and we avoid. It's so easy to withdraw when you know that you need people the most. So I really want you to remember that, right? There was a study, I want you to remember this, there was a study that was done that showed that people who gather just four times in a month due to whatever connections that they've had. And this particular study also looked at the connection of faith, such as what you guys are doing right now. People who gathered four times in a month actually, get this, increased their life expectancy by 14 years, right? So relationships are not only, you know, gonna lead to wellness, but maybe even a longer life. So it's so important. So we are getting down to our sixth key. Family, it's important to slow things down. So we just talked about things that rev our energy up. Sometimes it's important to kind of slow things down. Would you guys agree that we live in a culture that really pushes productivity over rest? Yeah. And because of these pressures, we do tend to fall into that hustle and grind mode a little too often. And we let our boundaries come down or we loosen them up in a way that's not super healthy for us. So we rarely slow down, especially when we need to. And if we're honest, rest gets a bad rap. And we even equate rest, some of us, with laziness. Yes, I've, I've done that. I have done that. So rest isn't lazy. 
Rest is not being lazy. Rest is super important for your mental and emotional well-being. And a good balance of rest and work helps us to problem solve. It boosts our creativity and it makes the time that we spend on what we're working on much more efficient. So take a break. Rest can look like taking a nap, okay? Rest can look like playing with your pet. Rest can look like a quick, you know, FaceTime with your friend, right, that brings you peace. And rest can look like meditation and prayer. So prayer and meditation are wellness practices. Yes, the research is really clear about this, family. Prayer and meditation has been shown to lower stress as well as provide a sense of peace. So rest, in my opinion, is one of the strongest and most consistent keys to wellness, and it's an important component in not just working harder, but working smarter. So family, when people have asked me this past year, because I've been, I've been kind of busy. It's funny, the pandemic didn't slow things down for me because I'm a mental health therapist. Um, I probably have been busier than I've ever been, right? And when people ask me, how are you doing? So I'm the one that's gonna share. If you ask me how I'm doing, I'm really gonna tell you I'm nervous. I'm, you know, I'm scared. I'm feeling sick. I'm gonna let you know. But most of the time when people ask me how I'm doing, I say, I'm sprinting. Do you guys feel that this past year? I am sprinting. I feel like I'm running a marathon. And some of you might feel the same way. And here's the thing. We're in spring. And this is, again, Holy Week. Right? There are glimmers of hope all around us that things are probably sooner rather than later going to get back to normal. And that is a blessing. We bless the Lord for that. But I've been talking to students who've been generally okay this past year, students that come to me for therapy, but something has happened recently, even as the restrictions begin to lift and people are gathering more freely. And they say, well, why now? Why am I not doing so well now? And I think, again, Many of us have been sprinting and you might be the type that you're like in survival mode and you go, 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 but when things start to calm down, you're now feeling the brunt of the past year. And that is especially the case if you felt like you've had to hold it together for this long. So the final key, my friends, has to do with letting your guard down, being vulnerable, and asking for help. Yeah, asking for help. Family, I don't know about you, but asking for help is not always easy. Would you guys agree with that? And what my students say is that they're not sure that they're gonna get the help that they ask for. And other people say that asking for help, they've always been taught is a sign of weakness. Allow me to debunk that myth. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually an act of bravery. So asking for help means, thank you, 
It is. Can we get a shout? Can we just get an applause for that? Because I believe that to my core. And asking for help really just means that you're acknowledging that the load that you have been carrying for so long feels heavy. And that makes sense. So the weight just feels a little too much to bear. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. And you're never weak for wanting or needing help. That's why this key is so important, family. And the word of God reminds us that we can feel like we can let our guard down and put down the load because we have a heavenly father that reminds us in his word that in our weakness, his power is magnified. His power is magnified. And then another version says his power is made perfect in our weakness. Amen? In our weakness. So family, God said seven keys. I said, God, that's long. Can I do five? True story. We had a talk. And God said seven. He said, somebody is going to be in that audience that needs to hear every single one of these keys. So I said, okay, Lord. And he said, you don't have to make them so long though, but (laughs) that's just my flesh. But this is what I wanna say to you. If you are struggling right now, I want you to know that God is using this time of stress, of discontent, of discouragement, and maybe even despair to grow something inside of you, of you, of you, of you, and you. James wrote a letter, James, Jesus' brother, wrote a letter to encourage Christians who were experiencing terrible strain and fear and strife. And this is what he said, family. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. Some of you might be like, joy in the midst of trouble? You don't know the relationship problems I'm going through. You don't know the family conflict I'm experiencing. You don't know how much financial challenges I'm experiencing. And you want me to be joyful? Yes, yes. The word of God says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So family, when it gets hard and maybe uncomfortable and you're feeling really stressed, know that God can use your circumstance to create something beautiful and positive inside of you because you were built for endurance. You've been sprinting, but God's got you. And that's important to know because 
pandemic or not, we are going to experience uncertainty and stress in this life over and over and over again. And I believe that God wants you to trust him and have faith. And as a mental health therapist, I also believe that he wants you to use the resources that he has made available to you. And that's why I'm so excited that you are here today because this is an amazing resource for connection and provision. So if you, family, or someone, remember God said seven keys, he said do all of them. So if you or someone you know or love is struggling or carrying what seems to be an extraordinarily heavy load, reach out to someone. Reach out to a friend, reach out to your small group leader, reach out to somebody you trust and let them know that you need support in helping a friend or support for you. And if that still feels hard, and I get that, I get that. Sometimes it does feel hard to take that first step. I wanna offer you a resource. So if anyone that you know is hurting, and again, carrying a really heavy load, please know that there is a number that you or they can call for support. And it's 1-800-273-TALK, or you can text, which is nice. You can text the word HOME to 741741. So family, these keys, these strategies, these tips, whatever you wanna call them, won't necessarily take away the tough time or the hardship that you're facing right now. But it will help to lessen the effects that they have on you. So for some of us, you're like, I'm hitting it out of the ballpark. I got this, it's easy. I've been doing some of this or all of this for a long time. But for others, this feels hard and we're gonna need reminders, maybe even on a daily basis. So this is where I want to issue you a challenge. I'm asking you to start with one. Start with one key. One step is all that's needed. And you don't have to have that much endurance. Remember in his power, in our weakness, his power is perfected. So start today or tomorrow in order to begin the journey towards optimal mental and emotional wellness. You have been fantastic. Is it okay if I pray for you? I've been praying for you for a couple of weeks. I'd love to pray now if you're open to it. Heavenly Father, Lord of Lords, we lift you up, Father God. 
We thank you for being God all by yourself. We thank you that you are a God who wants his children to be well. And one of the hardest things, Father God, about this life is the constant stress and pressure that we feel in our fleshly bodies. But Lord, you are the Lord of heavens. You are a heavenly Father, and I want to pray for each and every one of the students that's present here tonight and that's watching online who may be experiencing deep sadness or pressure or overwhelm, Father God. Please remind them, Father God, please help them know that you are a God who keeps your promises. Let them know that they can lean in and trust you. For in their weakness, your strength is made perfect. And I ask these things in your precious son, Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you wanna stay connected, follow us on Instagram at the Living Room ATL. Remember TLR fam, we love you, we're for you and we'll see you next time.